0: Welcome to Career and Ruins, where this week we're going to try and not laugh at our own jokes. Hi mate. Hello, mate. Oh, it's good to be back in the booth. It's isn't hot it? today, isn't it? Oh, I'd say it's a, it's a good five degrees cooler than it was last time. True. Really. That was a sauna. That was mm-hmm. a definite sauna. So how have you been?
1: I am very well, thank you. How about you?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Just uh working on grants, working on, you know, keeping a job Just and all working. that. Yeah. Just working. Just working. But I can. Keeping my career in ruins. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> good. And you had
1: a good week. Oh, you had a week off, obviously. Not, not, weren't here on Sunday. I'm sure a few people might have noticed.
0: Yeah, it's been a been a busy old slog the last yeah. few weeks, and uh we've... We had booked in a session last week. I was going to do it with Harry while you were whining and
1: dining. What were you doing last week? I was in London. Do you know what? I went to the Houses of Parliament for the first time ever. They let you in. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Pass security checks. Um, uh, One of the projects that I work on with the New Forest National Park and Bournemouth University is a project called LOCATE, which stands for Local Archaeological Equipment training and the equipment. Why <laughs> can I mean, okay, together, yeah. 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 I'm terrible <laughs> with acronyms. But basically, we, we Bournemouth University, provide, provide the equipment. We provide the training and access to the equipment. And um, we get local community groups and researchers to borrow geophysics equipment. So it's access to oh, okay, nice. um, scientific equipment and training that they wouldn't otherwise Get access to,
0: and have they found anything good? Any, yeah, anything? yeah. Well,
1: particularly the organisation or groups like the Avon Valley Archaeology Society have found nearly ten Neolithic long barrows, heck. which is blooming amazing. But yeah. we've had loads of different people working with it in Dorset, across Hampshire, in the New Forest as well, obviously. And this is um, community teams. Just community, yeah. Taking Absolutely. it and going out, and yeah. Doing taking their own f- work, free training, free access to mm. equipment, teaching themselves after they've had the initial training. Making the mistakes, but learning where they have gone wrong and then finding archaeology. Wow. So, we should get one of them on. Yeah, well, oh, that's good. Yeah. That's a great idea, actually. Um there's chap Mike Gill, who's a legend. Excellent. And um, he's, like Mike. He's he's been a good man. leading the <laughs> AVAS stuff. But um but yeah, so the project was nominated for the Campaign for National Parks um, Park Protector Awards. And it was a pretty tightly fought competition between loads of different projects which looked at engaging immigrants um, and uh, asylum seekers um, with national parks okay. to people that are doing water quality checks, but butterfly habitat, um, restoration, wetland restorations and then ours um, was looking at the, this archaeology project. Wow, so no, he won? Um, it, there were two prizes, there was one that was looking at water water, um, water quality in Pembrokeshire yeah. and another one in uh, Northwick Moors I believe which was looking at um, integration of and new arrivals, Britain, uh, helping them to understand and appreciate national parks, and um, so those two were very, very worthy um, win winners. So unfortunately, will not win. But um, I'd, I've never been to the Houses of Parliament before. I think I've only seen it from the outside. Oh, yeah, so and it, it was brilliant. And I mean, it's a listed building, if not a scheduled monument. Uh, yeah, it must be listed. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I, I, I feel so. like we'd know. I a Grade One yeah, listed yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, The top of the top, but. Um, it sort of got through security which is interesting in its own right and going through that parliament square and seeing people protesting mm-hmm. That and that was really interesting because um, I'm going to probably do a little bit of what's on your mind now but yeah. there were taxi drivers protesting and then there were people protesting about Brexit or and all these other people doing stuff and I just thought how many hundreds of years have people been here mm. causing a ruckus <laughs> campaigning <laughs> lobbying getting people I quite like that aspect. the archaeology of protest
0: yeah <laughs> well, we we touched a bit on that with the interview last week didn't we yes uh, that's we, right also yeah. a couple of
1: weeks ago with Steve Drake mm, mm. uh, yes that's right with the stone on by yeah, the road yeah. but um uh yeah so that was really nice and i just sort of i was walking by the jewel tower which is opposite it mm. has parliament and then just thinking about history in, in that area and the different things that not to mention Guy Forks and all the rest yeah, of the yeah. amazing stuff that happens. But so that was good. And then walking through the main access, you go down this huge corridor, which is massive. And then every five steps there's this plaque on the floor that says here Nelson Mandela was greeted. Wow. Here is where um where Winston Churchill laid before he was taken to be buried. Here is where George the Third where all these other kings might have been placed so so will there be this is where Lawrence shaw didn't get an award in,
0: in some <laughs> years time
1: <laughs> stop laughing at your own joke oh damn it i'm doing it again <laughs> um, yeah oh well, no i don't think i mean, that's that's of minor significance let alone me <laughs> so
0: did you go into any of the commons chambers or law or anything um, we like went that? through
1: the main chamber mm. the main hall um, and I got told off for filming. Okay. And I would look left and I could see the Commons, and I looked right and I could see the Lords. Wow. And then we walked straight through and we went to some of the terrace um, sort of meeting rooms and went through this, the, these ceremonies. And then we went into the Winston Churchill um room which was really interesting. Giant bust of Winston Churchill, which losing the name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and that, then just being back at work and catching up with other bits and bobs So that was a busy old week. Yeah, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I mean i felt very fortunate to have gone and um it was a, a brilliant experience. So um yeah, enjoyed that. Excellent. What have you been up to? Oh
0: just um slogging away so we finished the dig, mm-hmm. we we got that wrapped up and then straight back into the rigours of academic life, grant writing, just, yeah, papers, grants, the usual usual mm. kind of summer activities. People have been asking me the last few weeks, Ah, oh, students have gone home, you must get summer off. <laughs> but uh, it's seemingly the busiest time of year at the moment.
1: Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> fair enough. Well, um... I, I, I know i probably hijacked it already, but let's jump in with uh, what's been on your mind. So yeah. what, what what you had? What
0: you uh, so this week, it's, a, it's only really a short one from me, I think, but I've been reflecting on something we touched on a few weeks ago and What's On Your Mind and how archaeologists sell themselves in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate um, in the last week of a dig, we had Safe Today come to visit. Mm. And they spent the day with us and in the end they produced an amazing short um of four or five minutes all about the dig it, it, it smacked of time team it had the Excellent. geophysics it had panning drone shots of the site it had interviews with the students with the staff and in the end we had to do a 30 second live broadcast in in the episode itself which was quite startling to be there on site at seven o'clock in the evening queuing up to do this this live broadcast based on a video I hadn't seen um, and we we did a rehearsal we did a few rehearsals beforehand with the presenter Matt who was a really lovely guy and in every rehearsal I was making more and more strenuous links to Game of Thrones as, as you do <laughs> I'm just trying to shoehorn in the, uh, the reference and in the last one our colleague Harry's been on the podcast before, just kind of oh. shouted at me across the site. You got to drop Game of Thrones. It's too much. <laughs> it's too strenuous. Uh, or oh, sorry, too tenuous. It's not strenuous at all. Um, and okay, so the live moment came, and all of a sudden, I had this this vacuum of airspace where, in every rehearsal, I'd mentioned Game of Thrones, <laughs> and I could feel feel Matt asking me the same question. Thought, God damn! What do I say here? What do I say? So I, it it just I stumbled and made up some nonsense about complexity but it just it just (laughs) just made me chuckle thinking about all of that chat we had about how do we sell ourselves how do we we sell archaeology beyond archaeologists and there's me sort of desperately making this tenuous link to game of thrones when really all i had to do was say what we were up to and it was interesting enough Mm. and um, we had some great feedback and it it was a nice chat in the end and ultimately it was a platform for our students to talk about the the work they've been doing and that was the main thing about Mm. it i think it gave gave them a bit of a voice beyond talking to each other, talking to ourselves, and it was really nice.
1: Yeah, I'd also say, because it's south today, no-one's going to remember, but if you've done north today, north never forget. So,
0: uh... <laughs> I wondered where you were going there. <laughs>
1: that is tenuous. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that.
0: <laughs> On that, what have you been thinking about?
1: Um, well, I think I just, my thoughts are, are quite fresh in that we're now, we're, Halfway through or weekend to the Festival of Archaeology, yeah. which is the two-week long festival that the Council for British Archaeology run. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday, which was the 17th of July, yep. uh, they ran a Twitter campaign, um, hashtag ask an archaeologist. Yep. And um, I've got to admit, start of the day thinking, here we go, another one of those <laughs> things where archaeologists talking to archaeologists and a bit of navel-gazing. G- naval Is that the right terminology? I think so. Look, yeah.
0: A bit of an echo chamber, yeah. isn't it? It can
1: be, Twitter. Um, but then I thought, don't be a cynical world, so let's get started. <laughs> so um, w- using the Career in Ruins Twitter account, yeah. we put, I put a tweet out um, along the lines of um, what's the best bit of um, advice you've had that's advanced your career? And we had a really good uptake. We had a really good feedback. And I think... And to be fair to the whole scheme, there was a good uptake throughout the day. And whilst, yeah, yeah. And whilst I said it was easy for me to be cynical and grumpy <laughs> about it, um, it was a really successful campaign that he ran. And kudos to the whole team that, that delivered it. Uh,
0: it's fair to say that at the time I was probably even more cynical than you, but that was probably external factors. Yeah. <laughs> and when you when you, when you you put that tweet out and suddenly the whole... It was like archaeology came together to, yeah. to chuck out good advice to people mm. getting into the discipline. Yeah, exactly. it, it restored my faith a bit, well, I and think. And that's in, said, I mean, in, it. And
1: if it's for... Well, people like us or other organisations yeah. to utilise it. So you yeah. can moan about it as much as you want, but if you're not going to engage, then yeah, yeah. You, you're not allowed to have an opinion. Exactly, So yeah. if you don't put stuff out, or if you put stuff out and people don't engage, then... So be it. Yeah, but, but if you don't put anything out, then yeah. bore off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we asked people um, what the single best bit of advice you've received which has helped develop your career we had 36 responses and it's quite, quite nice a, yeah.
0: I, I think it's one of the most talked about tweets of the day
1: well, I mean I'd hate to boast <laughs> it, uh, uh, and I uh, there's suggestions that we love ourselves but uh, only one
0: of those was us <laughs> <laughs>
1: but um, we had great we had feedback from Fish Farm, Roman Palace from mm. the New Farm, um, National Trust Archaeology Team and loads of individual researchers people that, professionals that work on the Citizen Project so what's been um, your favourite bit of feedback um, I mean there's there's some really good memes about <laughs> digging up the devil which i thought was quite good i enjoyed that one a yeah. lot. <laughs> um, th- the ones i really liked there was one um by a chap called josh front who works for citizen and mm. he said be honest uh, when you don't know what the answer um, um and he goes on to talk about um i think to many people many people would rather bluff than ab- admit this um mm, but you can always go off and research the question. Mm. And that's always been my mantra. If someone asks me something, I'll be the first to say, I've got to be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I can find out. But And that <laughs> often leads to more interesting questions. Yeah, I, think so I know yeah. a few people that all just, like, pretend or bluff an answer or just waffle on about some nonsense that's not relevant. But uh, There's
0: an element of a... Uh, behind the scenes career and ruins there. That sometimes we'll (laughs) we'll find something in an interview or in a chat that we think, criminy, we have no idea what's going on here. (laughs) And we'll spend a couple of minutes Googling the answer, yeah. Oh, yeah. looking it up, doing a bit of research. Harry and I
1: definitely didn't take the mick out of you for doing that when you weren't here. <laughs> and I definitely didn't take the mick out of Harry doing that when he
0: did his podcast a couple of weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's fine. I think I mean you can't be expected to know anything. And a few people talked about the greatness of gen- being a generalist.
0: Yeah, and it's something we've touched upon yeah. a few times, isn't it? Mm. It's it's good to be open and available and that's again something something again from witnessing the, the Ask an Archaeologist stuff, there are a huge amount of people engaged with sort of putting themselves out there to I'm here, ask me questions. And I think there was a range from those who were very specific about stuff and that's that's incredibly useful on one level. And then there were those who were basically, I'm an archaeologist, ask me anything and I'll see what I can do. Yeah. And I quite enjoyed the, the mix of people kind yeah. of presenting themselves as, yeah. as people. People
1: staring it up Yeah, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I think one of my favourite ones we got for from that that question i mm. uh, perhaps wanted to finish on was um catherine freiman um who's the editor of the european journal of archaeology yeah and um she said archaeologist archaeology is a small community treat everyone you work with um from the newest student to the most skilled volunteer with respect Listen to advice and keep your sense of humour. Yeah. So I think we're we're legitimately, yeah. Yeah, laugh yeah. our own jokes. Okay, <laughs> we'll take that. <laughs> no, I love that bit of advice. Because it's
0: it's true as well, because I've I it's, it's fair to say I'm fairly early on in my career in academia, but there are already students from my first cohort who I could see being my boss one day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just give everyone the respect you'd expect, mm. and that's yeah.
1: That's how you make a nice, welcoming. Yeah, and I think people echoed that sentiment and yeah. added a few other things, like don't don't burn your bridges and other things like mm. that. But I, I liked it. There I think there were a few people that had elaborated on perhaps the specific advice they got made a bit more interesting. But um generally the sentiment was there and mm. it, it was great to get thirty odd different people's advice on how yeah, yeah. Uh, on how what's influenced the thoughts and the inputs that they had that's really influenced there so there's experience. a lot of
0: warm and welcoming people out there in the yeah. discipline and I love yeah. that yeah
1: so took work I enjoyed that I just yeah. sitting there watching I mean there was a, mo- a few times when I just couldn't keep up with the not, not, <laughs> not necessarily the single tweet that we did but the whole day so, yeah, oh yeah. God, what's going on but um, yeah all in all a really good little
0: scheme, so. it Makes me kind of wish you could bottle Twitter in a way and put It into some digestible format that you can easily access all of these different mm. questions and views, mm. maybe some sort of side publication mm. or a podcast, podcast,
1: a career on Twitter. will no, never catch no. on.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so should we have a listen to the interview?
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: Yeah, so this week I've been chatting to Chris Stancis, who is a colleague of mine at BU, and we had, I mean, to be honest, our conversation went very off-piste at times. It was fantastic. We chatted about a range of subjects and it's probably just better to dive right in, I think.
1: All right, awesome. Let's go.
0: Welcome to Career and Ruins. Thank you very much for agreeing to be here. Could you first of all introduce yourself?
2: My name is Dr. Chris Stantis and I'm a bioarchaeologist.
0: So, as a bioarchaeologist, you're based here at Bournemouth University on a postdoc?
2: Yes. So, I'm here as a postdoctoral researcher under a European Research Council, ERC, uh, budgeted grant.
0: Fantastic. So, before here, do you think to kind of get us going, you could give us a bit of a potted history of your career to date, how you got from the beginning to now, really?
2: Yeah, so um, the sort of the CV kind of story is I did my undergraduate back in the states where I'm from um, at a state school known as Auburn University in Alabama, so down in the south. I got a BA in anthropology, knew that I wanted to do something sort of within biological anthropology, had to look around, ended up doing a master's. In paleopathology from Durham University, so up yeah up here in the UK, and so that was my first taste of moving internationally, um, as well as studying within a UK style system. Got my MSC, and then went and did my PhD at University of Otago in New Zealand. Okay, so yeah, (laughs) so decided that wasn't a big enough international move to the UK. I'll go to the new. I'll go to New Zealand, where no one will ever find me, um, or at least no one ever wants to pay the airfare, and and get my PhD down there. And so I finished up my PhD there in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, did a couple sort of odd jobs, and this is now my first postdoc.
0: Okay, so then you came to Boston. Here to, to Bournemouth
2: in two thousand eight. 17. <laughs> the years go by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been do. a year and a half. Wow. So yeah. By, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's a three year postdoc, and I'm halfway through, wow. which Gosh. means it's time to start looking for jobs again. That's
0: the, the horror of the postdoc cycle, isn't it?
2: <laughs> it is, isn't it? Now, you're you're out of that cycle, aren't you? So uh,
0: Yes and no. I'm, I currently have three months left on my current contract.
2: I didn't know oh, that, yeah. actually. <laughs> I thought that you were a permanent fixture here at Bournemouth.
0: I I would like to be.
2: Sorry, I know this is supposed no, to be about no, me, no. but no, <laughs> I, I kind of yeah. Yeah, no.
0: So I've I've been here now since twenty fourteen. So I've been.
2: That's been a long a run, but it's been contract. Yeah, so it started off
0: teaching. Then I did some research for a year. Had a couple of months break in between the two, and then yeah, came back to the academic side. Um, so I've been doing that now for nearly probably three and a half years. Um, and yeah, still, still, still negotiating, but fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> well,
2: and that's the thing is, is you don't know where people are, or what they're mm. doing. It's so easy to think, oh, they've they've probably got it made. They're <laughs> done, but you don't. You just don't know.
0: No, I, I do know that I'm timetabled to teach next year, <laughs> 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 and I've got lots of IRP students and PhD students to supervise. So. I,
2: You've made yourself indispensable, aim, which I, mean, I think is the
0: trick. I think that's the, the trick of academia: just keep keep hanging in until someone just assumes you're meant to be here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about me. So you did your you did your undergrad in anthropology, and that's possibly something. We like to think on career in ruins, we have a huge international audience, but looking at the statistics so far, we have a fair few in the UK. Could you talk us through a little bit about your undergraduate degree and maybe how it would differ from a, a programme over here? or is it?
2: Like yeah, yeah. Having, you know, not done an undergrad in the UK, but having been exposed, of course, to people who yeah. have done it and having the sort of full exposure to the UK system, which New Zealand uses as well. Okay. Um It is easy to sort of compare, contrast. So I went to the state school for sort of mercenary reasons. It's because they were offering a scholarship. And so I could sort of get out debt-free. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hugely (laughs) important here and in the U.S. Um, And I was originally actually a zoology major. Okay. Yeah. So when I was in high school, you know, they have those like career days where you have to stand up and say what you want to be when you grow up. And like, I... I stood up and said that I either wanted to study live animals or dead people, Wonderful. which is <laughs> with the on bias, yeah. The it was it was on brand with Goth Chris, <laughs> okay. circa two thousand and eight. Um, and so I went I went to do my undergrad to study live animals, and Auburn University is, has a very good biology program. Uh, it feeds into a vet program, a veterinary program. Okay. Um, But, you know, a US-based college or university is is four years. You're meant to do these sort of um, core programs, so you have a sort of broad base, um, which is why it takes sort of an extra year compared to here in the UK. And so I was doing the sort of the core program which involved having to do a social science. And so I was doing anthropology, the classic American style four field approach with yeah. cultural anthropology, archaeology, linguistics, and biological anthropology, and I was doing that at the same time I was studying evolutionary biology, and I was starting to realize that humans were my favorite species to study. Yeah, were just so interesting and weird biologically and you know socioculturally. Yeah. Uh, that I knew I wanted to change over to anthropology. Now, the problem became Auburn University at at that time uh, did not have a big anthropology program. It was that classic uh, state school problem where anthropology was sharing departments with sociology and social work. You had like one cultural anthropologist, one archaeologist, and that was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was really hard to get a taste of what anthropology was, much less what I could even, how I could continue forward. In my junior year, which is my third year out of the four years, uh, a biological anthropologist came okay. for a tenor track position. Yeah. And she was a bioarchaeologist. And I had been taking archaeology classes, which had already sort of really blown my mind because I hated history as a kid because history was all about dates and like presidents and kings and like yeah, big battles, yeah. and like who cares about that? It's
0: a feeling I know well. I know. <laughs>
2: um, and, and I had already sort of had my mind blown in second year history in college when the professor said, you're not gonna have to learn any dates. This is about processes. Excellent. And I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> and so I had already sort of just realized that history isn't so bad. And then this bioarchaeologist came and I'm like, archaeology isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it was combining that biological anthropology that I love, that humans as a species, but also looking at us in the past and how we lived and who we were and those processes that I had grown to love with history. I see. So you could bring it together, I could actually I bring see. the two together, which I did not know you could do. And I mean, here, I hope, you know, BU students have a better exposure to that. They can see that with yeah, our, yes, yeah, 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 with our department. Um, but tiny little past Chris had no idea. Mm.
0: So that kind of blew your mind, I guess. Sort of, yeah. Horizons,
2: the real possibilities that, that, that came out of that were just really, really cool. And I mean... I do wonder sometimes because there were other sort of anthropological fields that I still hadn't had more than a passing exposure to. And, you know, you never know which sort of way you'll end up going or which way you would have gone, you know, Um, what if there had been, say, a corporate anthropologist there or um, a paleoanthropologist, but she was a bioarchaeologist and it was amazing yeah <laughs> boom and so uh i tried out for durham
0: yeah what made you make that decision was it were you intent on going abroad or was it just a-
2: so what had happened is you know in the states you do your your gre's your standardized tests in order to get into american schools um, and so i had gotten good grades um as an undergrad and i had gotten Really good GRE scores. There's like, if I have one superpower, it's taking standardized <laughs> test scores.
0: Not a bad one, it's right? a
2: useless one, Derek. It's terrible. Post school, oh, well. it does nothing for you. After Think you about it.
0: Superpower though, that might have to be a question for future.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, what's your weird superpower? And passing like,
0: standardized
2: tests. Mine is passing standardized tests, which was great for like, in school. Yeah. And now it's a completely useless <laughs> superpower, <laughs> um, And so I, I had done well, but I didn't really know how to apply for grad schools. Yeah. And I, it's one of those things where I didn't even think to ask for help because I'm like, why would you need help? I have good grades and a good GRA. <laughs> and so I applied for three schools in the States for a master's PhD, got rejected from all of them. Okay. Yeah, and I'm like, what's happening? Uh, and I'm looking at places that have, you know, the sort of rolling acceptance. Yeah. You know, you can apply at any time of the year because otherwise I was going to have to wait another year. Uh, I, see, yeah. I wasn't going to be able to handle that. <laughs> um, and one of them was Durham and it had a really, really good program. Now, admittedly, I sort of thought, wow, Durham is such a great program. I'll send an email and ask, inquire about it. And I was just like, why does this email end in .uk?
0: <laughs> I, I thought it was in
2: Durham, North Carolina. Okay,
0: good. good. It was not. No, no. It,
2: it is not. I don't know if you knew this or not. So was it, .uk. Was
0: it a pleasant realization or a terrifying
2: one? It was, it was fine. <laughs> it was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, but it was just such a moment of like, oh, Chris.
0: <laughs> so had you but hit send it at that yeah, point? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd already, I already did the application. Um, so I got that figured out. And so it was fine. And it, it was still a bit of um, a culture shock because Durham is a collegiate school as well. Yeah. One of the yeah, few yeah. around here. And so I got accepted um with with a little bit of scholarship money which was good and then they were like great what college would you like to join and being from the states where colleges are basically your your faculties I'm like liberal arts
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I would I would have no idea how to respond to that either
2: and they're like, uh, I guess we'll just sign you up for the international one. And so I'm, I'm a proud Ustinov member. I guess okay. I should be like yes. cheeky about that. <laughs> um, which was great too, because I came here to Bournemouth and I thought, I guess all universities are collegiate, right? And so I showed up here and I was asking people, where are the colleges? And people were like... Did
0: they send you off to the doctoral college? Yes. Around the corner? Yeah. <laughs>
2: I was so excited to come back to the UK because I thought that there would be those dinners and your graduation robes and little coats of arms everywhere and people being snooty and you're not. We could
0: get a lot better at being snooty for sure. <laughs> Let's work on this.
2: Let's have
0: I mean more excuses. Robed to robes,
2: dinners. Yes.
0: Like once a year is not enough.
2: No, you do you go to the graduation ceremonies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might start doing that just to
0: it's fun. work out I'll the set up on the stage and clap your hands repeatedly for hours on end. But then the wine receptions are quite nice. <laughs> I, I should stop now The key, the home. key
2: reasons. No, I'm very food based in terms of positive reinforcement. Mm. So like. Yeah, tell me that there's treats at the end. There's, and there's treats at
0: like. the beginning. You turn up to your robing room and there's a spread put on, and yes. there's wine bottles just sat on the bar waiting for someone to be. Oh, you get up to
2: pregame. <laughs> 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 that <laughs> makes the ceremony so much better. Yeah, it
0: is. It was. A, it's oh, a lot of fun every man. year. <laughs> yeah,
2: I might. I'll start doing that because well, I've I think, got the robes. I think you're right.
0: More reasons to wear robes around here it would be fun.
2: We've earned them, damn it.
0: Just start turning up to staff meetings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> CAA seminars
0: that's the perfect opportunity oh. and then down to the curry afterwards in our robes
2: still in the robes of perfect. course perfect. perfect
0: so then Durham but then another big leap
2: yeah so once again um I was sort of left wondering where to go uh I knew where Otago was by the way I knew yeah. <laughs> I knew where New Zealand was, but what I did was I was having a look around and the thing about UK master's programs is that if you want to go back to the States to do a PhD afterwards you'll need to sort of keep the timing in mind because you're finishing up your master's here after application call the general application call has already finished in the States and so you can do a master's here but you're going to have to wait basically nine months before you can apply
0: so it's a shorter it's a master's overall, but you still have to wait for the, to catch the Which, I
2: all. mean, you know, you can find things to do with your time, mm-hmm. contract work and small grants and things, but uh, I'm not patient. Fair enough. And I wasn't patient then. I sort of was like, I want to sort of keep going and keep life moving, and I hadn't really realised that there's things to do other than school. I see, yeah. You know, that sort of person.
0: And does the New Zealand cycle start in their summer?
2: Well, how New Zealand for the um, PhDs are generally start whenever you want, because, of course, it's the same UK structure, three years, research only, no more coursework to take or anything. And so because of that, Otago, at least, lets you apply at any point. And so I got in touch with who would eventually become my supervisor, Hallie Buckley, and she said, go for it, send in the application. And so um, the great thing about New Zealand and the reason I applied for New Zealand, other than hearing that Hallie is a really good supervisor and researcher and knowing that she had a project that I was interested in. The other big reason was New Zealand, certainly when I applied, and it seems to still be happening now, they're a bit desperate for for PhD students and that sort of level because I think a lot of it is because they're losing people to Australia. A lot of their youth go to Australia for the money, the spending power, the nightlife. And so because of that, Otago has PhD scholarships that are just as much as if you were a local, if you were a resident. So it was... That's full funny. tuition and the living wage for 3 years. Yeah. It was that's sort of hard to beat. Mm-hmm. And so something we should advertise to our
0: master's students uh, more. Yes, I, yeah, I'll yeah. tell
2: anybody to go down to Otago. They have yeah, a really yeah. strong both archaeology and bioarch program um with lots of really good people. Plus you're in, you know, the land of hobbits and elves. <laughs> so yeah.
0: So what research did you do for your PhD? What was the subject?
2: Yeah. So since my master's um, through to now, I have been trying to sort of brand myself as a stable isotope specialist in bioarchaeology. So I'm using chemical analyses to understand who people were in the past, specifically asking questions about what they ate and where they came from. Okay. Uh, and you can do that with stable isotopes analyses. And so for New Zealand, I employed these methods. Carbon, nitrogen, and sulfur stable isotopes for diet, and strontium for mobility, within these late prehistoric peoples in Tonga and Fiji, I see,
0: yeah.
2: To try to look at sort of movement and mobility within remote Oceania, within um, what you could sort of call Western Polynesia, yeah, I see, yeah. yeah. Depending <laughs> on how you identify Fiji,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and so. Um, Tonga especially, that cemetery was a series of two burial mounds, and purportedly one burial mound was for higher status individuals, um, sort of low ranking nobility, whereas the other burial mound was more classically thought of to be for the commoner class. And so I was also able to sort of think about questions related to sex differences in terms Mm. of diet and mobility, but also social status differences and whether there was differential access to different types of foods. That's very cool. So did
0: you see different food types being consumed?
2: Very slightly Mm. um, between the males and females, between the two burial mounds, as I recall, not so much. Now, some of that may be because even the initial excavators were a bit critical that the higher class mound was truly for the higher class. It may have just been a slightly differently shaped mound, (laughs) Um, but it could have been because stable isotopes is looking at the different types of foods you're eating, the proportions of those different types of foods. It can't look at questions such as preparation. Did you yeah. make the food higher status by preparing it differently? Yeah. You know, the difference between like white bread and cake.
0: I suppose would would you tell the difference between different cuts of meat as well? Because it's exactly a huge, not. Such yeah. A difference is there,
2: yeah, it? yeah. And so you could have things like the different cuts of fish, whether yeah. it's the sort of the head which was higher status or the body. You yeah. simply can't yeah. tell those sorts of questions. And then you also can't tell. What could be more important within Polynesia, but within other parts of the world, not just the proportions of foods, but the total amount of food, who was eating more can be a suggestion, suggestive of high status. And you simply can't tell that with stable isotopes. Mm. That's sort of a limiter.
0: That's interesting. So from that point onwards, you came back to the UK and you came here, Um, was it, From your phd research was it the technical skills that have kind of driven your career to here or the geographic stuff
2: yeah i've um never really stayed true to any geographic region Mm -hmm. or sort of cultural or time period uh my master's was stable isotopes in black death england um in london and then i went on to tonga and fiji for my phd And now I'm here researching the 15th dynasty of ancient Egypt and uh, contemporaneous populations throughout the Near East. And so a time period or a culture has never been what, what keeps me sort of, uh, honest (laughs) or, yeah, it's, it's the types of questions you can ask. And then from a global perspective, you can always kind of think about processes and, access to um, access to resources yeah, yeah. due to power differential. Um, and those questions have always fascinated me no matter the time period. Mm. And I've always been really lucky to get archaeologists from the sites who know the sites, who yeah, can yeah. help me with that historical context that is so key and that I don't have the great depth yeah. of.
0: So you've got your thematic knowledge that can be applied to... Yeah, yeah. Things. And
2: then, of course, the myth... Uh, the methods as well, knowing the methods for stable isotopes. You'd have to ask my boss why he hired me because I'm still not completely clear. I'll I'll put him on the list. Be like, so why did you hire Chris? Um, Yeah, because I actually had to give the interview via Skype from Mm. like a half-star hotel in Thailand (laughs) where I was doing contract work. And so I applied for the job while like... At the hotel bar like at the end of the day that's kind of
0: refreshing though because i've i've been on both sides of skype interviews and i've had students now on both sides or on on the candidate side and there's always a great nervousness about being a skype interview will you have the same chance as everyone else will you be able to come across will you be able to be the best you you can be and obviously you can
2: it kind of worked yeah Yeah. i don't i don't know it was Oh, I just, I had to hotspot my phone. So it couldn't have been great oh, quality. Wow. <laughs> just just go and top up my data and hope I didn't run out before the Gosh. interview. It was...
0: That must have been quite nerve wracking, but...
2: It, it worked out somehow. Video, yeah, yeah. It, it was really nice because I did the interview and, um, you know, I asked Holger, like we've been doing the interview and it felt like it was going really well. And, you know, here they tend to do a pretty... Like I had like five people on my interview yeah. panel. It was just huge, but I thought it was going well. And I had never, i had never met Holger, my boss before, you know, but um, it seemed like we were getting along and he was laughing and just being this very sort of jolly German. And then I, you know, he asked, do you have any questions? And I said, well, when will I know what's the sort of timeline for when I'll know good or bad. And then it was just the accent. He was just like, I will be the harbinger. <laughs> it was the scariest thing to hear at an interview. That was um, great. But then I, the next morning, I got I got the email like, yeah. "Do you want it?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> no,
0: we like to nail those things quickly. Yeah, sure. it's it's
2: so nice to yeah. not just be waiting forever and ever, and so um, had to start planning my move and stuff in Thailand, but wow. that's all right. And now you're
1: here, being interviewed by me. I know. Well, I've got to say, I mean, working with Chris as a co-host on Career in Ruins, it was really nice to get an insight into your career, Derek. So thank <laughs> you for... Oh wait, oh no, it's the other way
0: around. So when, when Harry's not available, we we know we know who we can sub in. Now it was quite, it was very subtle. She, she, she crept you up on me well, yeah. 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 All of a sudden it was it became a bit of a, a self-help <laughs> conversation for me, talking about my career to date, or my, uh, my current career in ruins, as it were.
1: What a great interview, though. She's a legend, as ever.
0: It was really hard work with Chris not to just keep talking, because yeah. like, it was it was incredible I to hear imagine. all about what mm. she's been up to and that, that difference of American study and British study, New Zealand study, and having all of that up until phd in three different places there was so much to chat about and That's it was just it was just a lot to I learn mean, we,
1: we've mentioned a few times about the importance of going around other other places mm. spreading out your networks not just studying i think fiona talked about don't do your masters at the same yeah place, yeah. and and chris has definitely not done that i mean granted she was looking at durham us rather than well a yeah but well, a accident uk start meaning United Kingdom, because I think that passed me by as
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, uh, yeah, an easy mistake to make, I think. <laughs> <laughs> when well, no, I, went, I went up to York the other day and I couldn't find the Empire State Building. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's a new one? Uh, oh, yeah. Of course, I, of course. I, a couple of years back.
0: <laughs> so I've got to know, though, what, what would your archaeological superpower be?
1: Ooh. I like the idea of being able to lift... Um, materials you know how superheroes can lift, like, oh, there's a big iron girder about to fall, and they're, yeah, yeah. Imagine you did that, but on the soils, and you just lift (laughs) every context up separately. You You could your superpower and your pit, the picture that's in front of you, suddenly every single fill just raises out individually and separates. Would you
0: magically separate the artifacts from the soil? Well, well?
1: I think I'd need another superhero that could take. So you need a sidekick. Yeah, maybe one or two, so one that can focus on metals, one that can focus on bones, and they just pull them out. That's a a strong superpower. Uh, uh, You? I was thinking about mine quite a lot during that interview.
0: Probably distracting myself with mm. <laughs> thinking about what my superpower would be, and I think maybe it's reducing an incredibly complex point to a deeply tenuous analogy. <laughs> it's something I've worked on very hard over the years. So yours is actually your superpower. Than yeah, the one that you want. <laughs> Yeah, I think. I think that's my existing oh, archaeological superpower. the wrong way,
1: maybe. <laughs> what's yeah. My superpower. Yeah, what's your current archaeological oh, superpower? God. Just to be able to distract people from my lack of knowledge. Right?
0: <laughs> oh, look, shiny thing!
1: Archaeological slight <laughs> of hand. I said something funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh a, well, that's just all around a great chat though and mm. uh, i think we should probably keep our chat to a bit of a minimum maybe and yeah uh, should yeah. we, we dive into the next part
1: yeah let's carry on
0: so in all of that in all of the in all of your kind of career and research to date is there anything kind of it stands out over a something you learned, something you identified, discovered that kind of stands out and you're particularly proud of. And you'd say, when someone asks you the question, what's the best thing you've ever found? I know it's a terrible question for a researcher particularly, but in terms of maybe a theme you've identified or a trend or a bit of research even that you think, you know what, that so far, I'm, I'm happy with that.
2: Ooh, well, uh, my favourite, my favourite finding so far is not published yet so we maybe sit on that one then. yeah we should sit on that one <laughs> yeah, it yeah. it has come out i presented it at a conference and so it's come out in a news article already but like that almost feels weirder because you know the the journalist got what i was saying from that 12 minute snippet uh, yeah. and so it feels not
0: no I just mm. avoid that we'll one.
2: we'll yeah, wait yeah. but watch the space awesome. it's about the 15th century or 15th dynasty ancient oh, egyptians awesome. um the hyksos who were the first foreign dynasty to rule uh, okay. ancient egypt and there's some really interesting trends in terms of mobility from strontium isotopes oh, in so, that case
0: we'll have to keep the podcast going for a while and interview you when it's come out again <laughs> yeah, there <we> go. do <laughs> um, a
2: mini update maybe yeah, next yeah. year or something chat. there sounds we go good.
0: so in that case never mind never mind your work Like all of us, I mean, we surround ourselves or we tend to surround ourselves inadvertently or pertantly with people who do archaeology or anthropology or things within our discipline. Is there any one person or one project or thing that you're particularly envious of and you think, you know what, I'd quite like to have a go at that?
2: Oh, and that's, you've got a bit of a tough question now because it's not just something that I admire and I'm like, man, that's good work, but like...
0: Something that you'd like to go, you know, what? I'd like to be there. I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd like to, to do that. I want to play too.
2: Oh. That's a tough one. <laughs> There's some really, really good work coming out of Durham University right now. Yeah. Uh, they just got an AHRC grant to do strontium isotope so looking at mobility in jordan and they're doing wow. this sort of whole country um survey of the isoscape of the of the strontium signatures of the land in order to understand oh,
1: so in order to the, map the
2: exactly like so they got money to do background work which wow. you know is so hard yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they're taking this one site pella as a sort of You know, showpiece of this is what will benefit from Mm. the backdrop work, which I think is so smart to work that background work, which so often, as you know, doesn't get funded. But to work it into the site that's been occupied from like the Calcolithic through Macedonian time periods, Mm. I want to say, maybe even later into the Islamic And they're going to use the strontium for that. And so it's this huge cemetery site that's so cool.
0: So they've got the case study, but within that they can do the huge And then they can do the
2: huge background project. And so like I wish they needed me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how, how varied is kind of I'm very used to seeing kind of the strontium maps of Europe and the UK in various PowerPoints. That resolution presumably isn't Ubiquitous across the globe. Some places would have it, and some places not. No,
2: and we've been spoiled here in the UK Mm. because NERC has done such a good job. Ah, I would argue the best job.
0: Is that something that's come out of archaeology and anthropology, or is it is it mapped for environmental purposes or other
2: purposes? They have a researcher there, Jane Mm. Evans, who has one foot solidly in both. She's Ah, a geologist by training, and she's. She's largely stayed within her realm of geology, but she knows archaeologists yeah. and she knows how to work with them repeatedly Excellent. with long sort of collaborations, which is...
0: Uh, so she's got one eye on both.
2: Mm-hmm. She knows, she knows the uses. importance of strontium across fields. Mm. And so she was the sort of leader, as I understand that, and making sure that all of Britain got mapped and it's become so good and so the rest of the world is sort of trying to catch up (laughs) actually and so even the european maps as i understand it are a little spotty a little lower resolution and the middle east and egypt and stuff it just it still needs a lot of work
0: presumably when that does come out that's going to be quite a game-changing thing to have in our potentially
2: and Not you know, know how it is like no one ever wants to fund these sort of background projects oh, yeah, 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 but yeah. these are the ones that will get cited for yeah. years and you years and that. years and so it's so silly that they don't they aren't as easy to sell
0: yeah yeah terrific answer that's great so one last question you'd be pleased to know I'll, okay. I'll let you let you go soon um Lawrence and I for the We've been doing this podcast now for a few months and even before that we've been working on a fully functioning time machine to allow all of our guests one ticket to go back in time and then back again a return ticket to the okay past. well that's
2: important
0: yeah yeah to see one thing one event one bit of the past that um would it help your research or you just curious about really so where would you go with with a ticket to the past
2: oh my gosh this is the sort of thing where it's like, I I obviously needed to do more research. So, and like, so the time machine also has no problem spatially. It can move.
0: You can go spatially, yeah.
2: Anywhere. It's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't have to haul your time machine all the way to. So so
0: if you wanted to go to Doggerland, for example, you wouldn't have to start at the bottom of the North Sea. (laughs) You can, you can, we can, it's got some, yeah, spatial temporal controls.
2: Yeah. Is this the sort of thing? That's a, hmm, how much vacation time do I have as well? Because do you do sort of a nice quick... Oh, you can
0: go for a long-term period. yeah. Yeah, do yeah. you do
2: a couple-hour trip where you're just like, let's check out Pompeii? Oh, and then you're like, eat. you got 10 minutes, and then you're done. Or do you just be like, I feel like biking all of Genghis Khan's empire. And wow. then you can go on a nice long track...
0: Lawrence is very restrictive with me in terms of I can give away one, but he's never said how long that one can
2: be. So it's always it's always just one. one, But But if you want to stay for a few years, open open return could sort of happen. The thing is, is almost nowhere do you want to travel back in time as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. Like where am I gonna go? That's super fun. That's true. Yeah. The past is not the friendliest of places. <laughs> no. And then I'm going to have to learn new languages. Or I'm going to have to stay in English-speaking places. And those all aren't great.
0: Oh, many of these questions we haven't had to I do.
2: hate to be That's, such a wet yeah, blanket, no, but I'm no, not right. sure it can... I'm going to go, that's, no, yeah,
0: important no, they're
2: going to be like anywhere I go. Like if I go back to like Victorian England, I am going to
0: have to delve oh, into or
2: Jane Austen. They're going to be like, where's your petticoat strumpet?" Yeah, you're,
0: you're pushing me hard into Star Trek now. So we're going to have to give you a universal translator. Yeah, that's a given. Yeah, no problem. And, you're, um, we're um, going to need holo- the replicator. You can, so, a I can holo- generator, get the, so you can be whoever you want to be.
2: I finally get to be a white dude. (laughs) Oh, that's so much better. I can travel tons of places. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, things like, let's... All right, uh, Julius Caesar's sort of coronation parade would be quite cool, let's be honest. That would be pretty good. And so, again, that's obviously just a nice sort of day trip. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be pretty good.
0: And You've also raised a lot of issues with the time machine that <laughs>
2: I have. Had, to we've, think about we've
0: had some big problems with paradoxes. Because um, one of the first people we tried it on wanted to go back and uh, um, warn Harold that there was an arrow coming towards him, and that would have just changed all they the They want history. to
2: actually change time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then we'd have
0: been in trouble because there'd be no podcast, presumably.
2: No. Um, so yeah, no time so... machine. And then it just went oh, man. Yeah. Go and warn past me just not to be so uptight. <laughs> like. That'd be great, but like, like that's probably not, not what things. you're hoping for. No, no, still <laughs>
0: um, I am looking forward to you listening to some of the episodes. We've had a variety of answers the last few there's been yeah. some, some startling ones. Oh, I bet there's there. way
2: better time machine no. ones than mine, but I'm just
0: No, it's all good mm, I'm
2: not sold on this vacation.
0: <laughs> I think I think we need to go back to the drawing board. I mean, we tend to borrow Star Trek lore anyway, so it's we can have anything in that universe.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do a very special Star Trek episode where you go onto the holodeck and like everything's sort of fine and like.
0: There'd be an accident and they'd come to life and we'd be able Well, always
2: Moriarty takes control of the whole university. (laughs) But those, but the holodecks are always super nice because of course, like everything is still within that 24th century. Sort of safety
0: parameters yeah, yeah
2: safety parameters and sort of cultural, cultural safety cultural parameters. parameters yeah so no holodeck style time machine tons of places I'd travel. I travel real time machine not without a lot of vaccinations
0: fair enough and on that note thank you very much for joining <laughs> thanks us thanks so much that's been brilliant
1: so there we go <laughs> There's quite a lot to think about there. Yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> I fear Chris doesn't know what it's like being male, middle class and white. It's lovely to be in here with another Ben Folds fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very niche reference and I like that. <laughs> well, she, she's identil- identified a lot of issues. Yeah. But more so, she's also... I, I fear you should know the rules and regulations about our time machine a lot better than you
0: do. I know, I know. I, I should have had easier answers to all yeah, of those questions. I,
1: every week I say, you ch- challenges to read our manual, write some <laughs> of our health and sh- safety checks. Oh,
0: another email from Lawrence. <laughs>
1: Delete. <laughs> but you need to prioritise, mate, because it sounds like we don't know what we're doing.
0: I quite like <laughs> the idea in season two, though, of having a suite based question. <laughs> on top of a superpowers question, of course.
1: <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we've established you can't die and you're invisible and these things, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, you can be passive. Thing, you thing, you yeah,
0: Chris. yeah. Chris, come on. <laughs> I blame your host. <laughs> I think the host
1: was terrible in that, but
0: Still, a lot of issues raised, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we, we I, mean,
1: I feel we need a whole new section in our uh, policy. so after this, don't go home because we have got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I'll don't start working me. on the uh, the don't new miss.
0: the new time travel guidelines. Yeah, guidelines. But yep. also, yeah,
1: yeah, certainly. There's a, there's a lot of important questions raised there. Uh, Julius Caesar's coronation. Yeah, great, great place shout. to visit. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's gone big there. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. just
0: one of those key points in history. <laughs> that's that's tuneful i love it <laughs> <laughs> and other noises associated with coronations we'll get back to noises next week <laughs> but it's a great chat and again it, it was so easy with chris to just chat about stuff and go off on a bit of a, a ramble chat as it were mm. um, as adam buxton would and uh, i chatting about the the backdrop to research was something i was quite intrigued to pick just up on a bit clarity was that durham uk Yes, yeah, okay, I, yeah. Durham yeah, 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 UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just those those projects that kind of set set the parameters for all future projects. And isotopes is is one of those great ones where we're really fortunate in the UK because mobility isotopes work because animals and humans consume things, and they those isotope ratios from the geology of the area they consume stuff becomes embedded in their in their bones essentially Um, there's that tenuous analogy superpower coming through maybe Um, and having that backdrop means anyone that does an isotope on a skeleton can tie it into that that background information but actually constructing that backdrop must be a huge body of work Mm -hmm. and probably not the most sexy to sell to a funder like oh i really want to create a an isotope database for trans-European models of modelling. <laughs> uh, it, it's a tough sell. And it's Rather, not for us, it's for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be no discernible outputs from this project. <laughs> yeah, but, but other people they else, great things. Yeah, they'll do great stuff. So it's a really difficult thing to sell, and it's the, the way I think they've done it on that project is having a like a headline site, but saying, to do this headline site, actually we need to do a shitload of background work. Mm. Makes a lot of sense, and it's, it's really good to see that happening, mm-hmm. and I, I was quite keen Absolutely. to learn a bit more about it, so it's yeah, interesting. That was a good
1: one. Um, thing she's most proud of.
0: Mm. I don't know what it
1: is. I know. Hopefully she'll tweet something so we can share it, but let's guess in the meantime. Rapidly Googling the news article. Aliens? It's got to be, hasn't it? It's the only
0: logical answer. Yeah,
1: I I think... Easy thing to finish on, then as well.
0: I mean, simply because humans can take a stone and alter it and turn it into a sword doesn't mean they can build a big building out of stone. Talks about distribution, it's just got
1: <laughs> like sort of zoom, 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 gets in a thing. Oh, we're into Stargate and then move to that. That's what she meant by distribution, I presume. It
0: can only be. and it's funny you, you bring up Stargate because I think if I could be in any sci-fi, <laughs> it would be Stargate. Yeah. It's sci-fi Everyone in our time. Everyone wants to be Daniel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He it, was a
0: yeah. <sighs> I, I might go and binge about that
1: now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> anyway, so once we said it, it was not about dinosaurs and aliens this is the one episode when it is alien. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely aliens. Yeah. Finish uh, on that? Uh, almost. Should we talk about our Patreon? Ah, yes. So... Thanks for listening to the end of the podcast, for starters. <laughs> well done, you made <laughs> it this far. Um, yeah, we've got, obviously, the normal stuff. We've got our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, all of which we use intermittently. But we have set up a Patreon account. Yeah. Um, Which is just opened, so minimum, I think there is a minimum just set by the website, which is £5 mm-hmm. or $6, $7, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just an open invite to help us fund these podcasts. So if you like what you're listening to and you've got a spare fiver or tenner, um, you spent an hour listening to us, that's an hour you might have spent in the pub, that's a pint you might have bought, or (laughs) a gin and tonic, or a bottle of champagne, I mean that's 70 quid, so you could just donate that if you want, but, um... We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, I
0: think we've we've really enjoyed making these podcasts and we hope you've enjoyed listening to them. We're gonna try and carry on as much as we can over the next few months, but every little helps really. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. And the reason we do it is because the costs are enough for us to maybe not have a few beers that week. Yeah. But it's still us not having beers. So I know, as I'd much fun as it is, <laughs> I do like beer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh Matt, thank you very much for listening Cheers, and we'll God. see you again in a week or so. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Career in Ruins podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe to our downloads on whatever, whatever system you receive your podcast from. Make sure you comment. Do send us any questions or thoughts you have on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. And uh, we'll look to trying to reply to as many questions as we can, hopefully in the podcast as well. And sound production on this episode has
2: been done by Guy from BucketofSound.com.